Hello, it's 23rd of July 2018 and this is episode 73 of Scavengers Horde, a Stars podcast. I'm Rachel. And I'm Kirsty. We're here to deliver a regular rundown of Stars news, analysis and commentary, with a focus on the sequel trilogy and the future of the saga. So how has your week in Stars been, Kirsty? It has been very exciting, because mm. we've had all of this amazing news coming out of Comic-Con. Yes. So I guess we're here to discuss it. Exactly. Yeah, so I'm also very excited for the Comic-Con news. But I did also want to tell something really cute. Um, So I've probably mentioned before that I have um, a young niece. And um, I was with her for the first time in a few months this weekend, which is really lovely. And one of the highlights was that I read her my very own impromptu storybook version of The Force Awakens. And it was just quite magical. It was so nice seeing her reaction. And the best thing about storytelling is how you stop partway through. And you say, and so what do you think so-and-so did now? Or do you think that's a good thing or a bad thing that they did this? And it was just so fun being able to do this with a child who takes everything completely straight and Aww. genuinely doesn't know what's going to happen next. It reminded me of in Return of the Jedi when the baby walks are listening to the story. <laughs> <laughs> I know I shouldn't be thinking of my niece like a baby walk, but it was just so cute and precious. I bet that was adorable. It really was. It's like, oh, I wish I could be recording this moment, but then that also kind of destroys it. So <laughs> I'm glad I'm not. <laughs> yeah, no, it was very pure and cute. So that was lovely. <laughs> and she also was playing for lightsaber a lot, which I approved of. Nice. And doesn't she have a Forces of Destiny doll as well? She does have a Forces of Destiny doll, although I think that doll has disappeared into the hidden depths of her toy box. <laughs> so I'm not sure how often she emerges. <laughs> But yes, I definitely make sure she is kitted out with as much Star Wars merchandise as is permissible. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Right. But to move on from that, I think we should probably get to the news that people are definitely going to want to hear from this episode. And that being that the main big, big, big news is that the Clone Wars is indeed returning. Woohoo! Think we kind of had an inkling about? Yeah. Just because of all the hype before the panel. See, it's good to have high hopes sometimes. Yeah, exactly. They are not always dashed. (laughs) And in cases like this, there can be ample reward because, yeah. Isn't this exciting, guys? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so this is from the statement on stars.com and it reads Just announced by Dave Filoni at San Diego Comic Con during a 10th anniversary celebration of the beloved animated series Star Wars The Clone Wars will be returning with 12 all-new episodes on Disney's direct-to-consumer streaming service Created by George Lucas, the show first aired in 2008 and became an entry point into Star Wars for an entire generation, following fan favourites like Anakin Skywalker, Obi-Wan Kenobi and Padme Amidala, while introducing major new characters like Jedi Jedi Padawan, Ahsoka Tano and Captain Rex. Its stories were complex, its heroes and villains were perfectly imperfect, and its look was captivatingly beautiful. It became a multi-Emmy winner and is now regarded as essential Star Wars. So yeah, it's really nice to see this happening, like mainly from my perspective for the people who are big, big fans of this show, because yeah, I still haven't watched it. But to be honest, this is the best incentive I've had yet to get into it, because there is going to be so much hype and excitement leading into the release of these new episodes that I kind of feel like I want to be part of that, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to watch the whole thing, but there are definite arcs that I would recommend. 
Okay, but um, that feels a lot more approachable because it is a bit overwhelming when you look at it and you yeah. see there's like six seasons. Especially as it's not in chronological order, which can be yes. confusing. But there are ways to look that up and work it out. Um, the Mortis arc is a very popular one that our friends at Knights of Rant talk about a lot. Um, they, mm-hmm. they love it very much. And I can see why. And it does relate a lot to the sequel trilogy and its themes. Um, nice. I really love the Maul episodes as well. And, mm. you know, if you've intrigued by that after solo that might be a good place to start it doesn't really matter too much if you just kind of dive in like you can get the gist yeah does padme have any good arcs yeah yeah she's in it a decent amount so if you want to look for specific episodes with her and and anakin because their dynamic is pretty different in the clone wars um you see her kind of standing up for herself a bit more and being more assertive um which I appreciate, so. Yeah, that does sound really good, nice. So, yeah, this is exciting. Um, Not to be, like, glass half empty, but I guess (laughs) I will. But I was just talking to you before the show, and I'm going to say it again. I really, really love Dark Disciple, and I'm a little bit sad that we won't get that as part Mm. of this revival. Um, Obviously, we have it as a novel that was adapted from um, those episodes that were um, conceptualized by Katie Lucas, yeah, um, and I really love that story so much. I guess it re- is really tricky, isn't it? It kind of underlines one of the main issues of making everything canon, including the books, because it means that as soon as that ground is covered in the book, then you really can like also make it as episodes of the TV show. Not unless you're going to make a really slavish adaptation of the book. You could if you wanted to, because they kind of get around that stuff by saying like, "Oh, the novelizations." don't they don't take priority it's the movies and the tv shows that take priority in terms of what's canon um, yeah. but i just don't think they would bother now because dark disciple is a very well regarded novel in its own right um, and yeah. i recommend it to everyone especially people who like redemptive enemies to lovers stories <laughs> i'm just very intrigued by that trailer and pretty anakin returns yes and ahsoka as well like it, oh god it's gonna be so emotional because we see her obviously walking away from the jedi order and then we've got Rebels, where her and Anakin are reunited, but he's Vader at that point. Yeah. And now we have this, uh, the feels. Yeah. There's going to be some good gap filling. Like, again, I don't know much about Clone Wars, so I'd very much defer to your knowledge. But I have heard people say that these new episodes, they're going to focus on the Siege of Mandalore. That's what it seems like, because you have Bo-Katan stood next to her in the hologram, right? Right. Okay. So, yeah, I'm intrigued by that. Yeah, but so... I've- think from what I've seen online and again I'm speaking from a position of almost total ignorance when it comes to the Clone Wars so I'm not claiming knowledge here but my understanding is that Siege of Mandalore it kind of happens either simultaneous with or very close to Revenge of the Sith in the timeline mm-hmm. and I've seen some people speculate that in these new episodes they may show Ahsoka dealing with Order 66 and showing how she escapes from that and that would be really cool that would be a great story it would be really cool to see that from her perspective and it would just add even more to the pain of Ahsoka and Anakin's dynamic yes Um, and it would be so complex for her as well because obviously she has this very complicated relationship with the Jedi now yeah like in Rebels if I remember correctly isn't she surprised when she realises that Anakin is Vader she doesn't know before that reveal no she doesn't I think she has suspicions. Okay. Um, but yeah, it is positioned as like this dramatic reveal when she realizes yeah. that it's him. Do they give any sense of what Ahsoka thinks actually happened to Anakin before she encounters Darth Vader? No, I don't think so. 
I think she thinks he's that dead. would be interesting. You know, if she's going, oh god, Anakin, like he must be like being caught up in all this, like and trying to reach him and stuff without realizing that he's the one who's causing everything. Mm-hmm. That'd be so tragic. Yeah. Um, those episodes are a couple years old, and I haven't gone back to revisit them. So I, I felt like when I was watching them, it seemed to me like Ahsoka had an inkling of what that Anakin could have been Vader, but she wasn't sure until she saw him, and then maybe she couldn't like quite accept it or something. Okay. Yeah. That seems like a very reasonable reaction, to be honest. I'll have to go back and watch them. There's just, there's so much. That's the thing about the Clone Wars, I think, that puts people off, that there's a lot of it, so people don't know, because it's a a time commitment, right? Like, I feel that Mm. way about a lot of TV series. It's just like, oh, do I have the time to slog through five seasons? Um, So I think the best way to do it is just to think, like, is there a certain character that you're interested in or a certain aspect of the Clone Wars? And for me, it's things like Mortis and and more so yeah no like you say i think that makes it more approachable so i do actually have the box set of seasons one to three of clone wars right and i did sit down and try and watch it like from the beginning but of course that box set is in release order mm-hmm. and because it is all jumbled it feels a bit all over the place and scattered yeah and when it's like that it's harder to like remain dedicated to it and be consistent about it because you're just kind of like, oh yeah i can dip in and out like i did enjoy it but i enjoyed it in quite a disposable way is it is it on netflix in the uk um i don't know and even if it is i don't have netflix, oh okay unfortunately well i would honestly if you, if you're interested in how the hell more survived i would honestly go and just watch those episodes and start from there and see if you like that cool because that stuff's mad yeah. <laughs> and it has the witches of Daphne and everything so and I might do what I did when I was like a teen and I was interested in a new TV show. I'd like find like an episode guide and I'd look through the um, episode descriptions and then I'd find the ones that appealed to me the most and then just watch those. Honestly, just do that because, yeah, there is a lot to slog through at the beginning and I don't think the first season's as good. So, yeah, that might put I have off. heard it's a show that becomes much stronger as it goes along. Mm-hmm. Which, again, is encouraging. It's a carrot at the end of the road. Yeah, I mean... I'm kind of fascinated that we've like got I mean I know we like anticipated it last week we said okay we think they're going to announce Clone Wars because there's this anniversary panel and everything but I do think it's interesting that we've like got information on this that's coming out next year and we don't have anything on Resistance that is starting in October yeah so it'd be strange for them to want to bury it before it's even been released oh I, I don't think that'll happen it's just it's getting down to the wire I guess but the Clone Wars news is very exciting for the fandom because yes there's been this movement for years now hasn't there that people wanted to bring it back and finish it so yeah i'm sure it's very exciting for them yeah and i'm sure it must have been an electric atmosphere in that room yeah so one thing we need to mention that came up at the clone wars panel um that was very interesting and relevant to our interests was a very cool little comment from Dave Filoni about Anakin's story. Um, Would you like to read the quote out, Kirsty? Sure. So he said, The point of Anakin Skywalker's story is that we are all making those choices every day as Anakin does. We start out our day where we don't intend to turn to the dark side, but so quickly we make choices that tunnel us down into the darkness. That's kind of the whole point of Star Wars. You can be selfish or selfless. I keep saying it because it's what George spoke about the most. Selfish or selfless. This will lift you up this will tear you down it's really that simple and that's the force in a nutshell i like this quote and i do think it exemplifies um like the core drama of star wars very well like even into the sequel trilogy 
because you can think about everything that goes on with Rain Kylo in terms of selfishness or selflessness. Like, and it's both a question of how do they perceive what they're doing and what are they actually doing? Mm-hmm. Because I think from a certain point of view, Kylo probably thinks he's being quite selfless through the choices that he makes. He probably thinks that he's going to be like this savior of the galaxy by freeing it of all this corruption and all these entanglements and commitments that have weighed it down for so long. And he thinks he's making this grand sacrifice by doing that. But of course, when Ray looks at him, she's not thinking of Kylo as a selfless person for making that choice. She's thinking of him as being supremely selfish and only wanting power. And I think that's probably how most of the audience look at him as well. So while you understand how he perceives it, like we and Ray see it differently. And yet it's just really interesting. So I think that maybe that kind of thing was more clear cut in the original trilogy um, in terms of where that line between selfishness and selflessness and selflessness was set. And I think that those concepts are still crucial. They're just being interrogated in a more nuanced way. Would, would you agree with that, Kirsty? Yeah, I mean, it kind of reminds me of the discussion we had a few weeks ago about corruption. Um, mm-hmm. And we we didn't spend as much time on the original trilogy because like you say, it's a little more clear cut there. Um, you kind of know where you stand a bit more with the characters. But from Anakin's story and then with Kylo and Rey's, it is a bit more complicated because you relate to them as the protagonist in a way that's different from how you would relate to Vader in the original trilogy. So yeah. you can identify with these choices that are considered mistakes and they are selfish, but you can understand why they happen. Um, and yeah, because we all make mistakes. We are all a little selfish at times, but mm. Star Wars kind of encourages you to keep on that right path. Um, so it's like, that's why it appeals to kids so much, right? Um, so yeah, I just really like this quote because it kind of drilled down to the basics a bit more and kind of reminded us what it's about at its core. Exactly. So I do think Dave Filoni has a very, very strong understanding of Star Wars and what's right at the heart of it. Um, and yeah, that's why he's been such a good, like, creative driving force behind all the animation because even though he goes to all these different places with it, he is still good at keeping those core ideas and core messages in there mm-hmm. uh, yeah so is there anything else we want to bring up that emerged at the panel or about the return of the Clone Wars I haven't actually watched the panel yet so I guess was there anything of note in the trailer that you wanted to bring up that we haven't I guess it was a pretty short trailer <laughs> it was a pretty short trailer um, I think my main observation was I thought the animation looked really beautiful mm-hmm. and I think it looks like that it might have actually improved since yeah, the old series I think which so. would make sense because I'm sure Disney is able to throw a lot of money at this thing and also technology has advanced since 10 years ago mm-hmm. I kind of liked Ahsoka's look as well she looks kind of like appropriately like in between the ages that we've seen her before she yeah. looks a little m- more grown up from the last time we saw her in the Clone Wars obviously but obviously younger than when you see her in Rebels so yeah how old would she be towards the end of Clone Wars I have no idea (laughs) like a teenager yeah I was about to say she looks like late teens to me which I guess would be about right Mm -hmm. so yeah it's very exciting stuff and yeah maybe this will be the thing that finally pushes me over the edge and gets me to watch the show so (laughs) watch this space (laughs) yeah I mean I'm looking forward to resistance happening so that we can get more into that and maybe discuss it on a weekly basis Yes. Right, okay, I think we can probably move on from the Clone Wars now. Um, So yeah, the next thing we'd like to talk about is that the publishing panel 
yielded some very interesting announcements and most exciting for us was perhaps the Padme book that was officially announced. We've had rumblings of this before but I think we feared it might have actually been scrapped and that it might have been confused because Padme was going to make an appearance in the new Timothy Zahn book but that doesn't appear to be the case and we are definitely getting a solo Padme book. So yeah would you like to read out the details of this Kirsty? Mm-hmm says Padme Amidala served Naboo well as its queen but now she is ready to begin a new chapter in her life. Then the newly elected queen asks Padme to serve Naboo in a new capacity as its senator. With the help of her devoted handmaidens Padme must figure out how to navigate the treacherous waters of politics and forge a new identity beyond the queen's shadow. So E.K. Johnston on Queen's Shadow says it's the story of Padme changing from a queen to senator and the person right behind her and all the other handmaidens behind Padme. Yeah, so this is very cool. The book is going to be written by E.K. Johnston, who also wrote the Ahsoka novel. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be released on 5th of March 2019. So just in time for celebration, actually, which is Mm -hmm. exciting. Um, Yeah, so this is pretty thrilling to me. So this is exactly what I wanted from a Padme book. I wanted material on that gap between The Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. Same. So this is perfect. I'm so happy because that's a big gap in canon generally, let alone just for Padme. Yeah. Um, and I'm just super pumped to see like more stuff with her and the Handmaidens. And yes. just from a personal perspective as well, I have my fingers crossed really hard for some queer subtext because E.K. Johnson delivered with Ahsoka. Um, yeah. And I would love to see a little bit of that with the Handmaidens, but that might just be a pipe dream. <laughs> well, there's plenty of room for that. Let's face it. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> what goes on in the dressing room <laughs> exactly but you know it could just be a little nod so yeah exactly even subtext is nice um so yeah like i think this sounds really cool and i think that this has the potential to give us the most interesting and in-depth look inside padme's head would you agree with that Kirsty? oh absolutely we've been talking about a potential Padme novel for quite a while we've probably been boring people talking about it so much because we've been saying we're starved of storytelling that's from Padme's perspective right she can be featured in a lot of stories but so often she's there but you're seeing her through Anakin's point of view you know yeah um so to get a book that is primarily focused on her is so exciting yeah, it really is. And that's also just true in general of female characters, to be honest, in terms of like not really having content that's just about them. I mean, yeah, we were starred of it with Leia as well, weren't we, until we got those books by Claudia Gray. Yeah, in the last few years, there have been great strides made towards improving that situation with books like Leia and Ahsoka and... Let's say Phasma, because that's all about seeing her from the perspective of other people. But she is still this like mythic figure that that book revolves around. Um, and yeah, so there's been a much greater interest in the internal like lives of women and how they perceive things and how they experience the world. And that's really interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Now we just have to wait. <laughs> exactly. So we need to be patient. <laughs> but the, the cover art was beautiful. It really was floating around over the weekend. Yeah, I think people who were at the panel got um, printed copies of that, which I'm very jealous of. Yep, same. (laughs) It looks so good. 
Is there like one little aspect of Padme that you'd like to see explored in a novel about her? Um, I would like to see more because we got it cut from the prequel movies. I would like mm. to see her interacting with her sisters and her mother. Yes, that's actually what I was going to say. Oh, sorry. Family. <laughs> Don't just worry. because those deleted scenes are so cute. Um, they are. Yeah, I'd just like to see nods to those. And yeah, just to see more of her female relationships, her relationships with female characters, which, you know, she has the handmaidens there, but it's not the focus of the prequels. Yeah. It kind of almost feels more decorative, doesn't it, in the prequels? Yeah, though. I mean, in The Phantom Menace, it's obviously like a key aspect that you don't know that um, it's actually Sabe instead of um, Padme and all. But yes, yeah, she's still like more enigmatic and mysterious as opposed to actually seeing things from her perspective so yeah exactly and that's why we don't really get those relationships explored because when the whole point is that we're not meant to tell who's who for the longest time you can't really show Padme in her downtime having a heart to heart with one of her handmaidens true but it does make for some amazing interactions between Qui-Gon and Padme with him not realising like <laughs> like, well I don't approve <laughs> That is really true. Mm, the queen doesn't need to know, all right, Padme? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she doesn't. Ha 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 ha. <laughs> oh, it's quite delightful. Um, right, is there anything else you want to say about the Padme book? Um, no, except I'm counting down the days until we can have it. So Yes, that is going to make for a fun review episode. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was one more thing I wanted to ask you. Uh, have you read the Ahsoka novel? Yes, and I did enjoy it. It's not my favourite, but it's well written. Okay. And... I mean, what's not to love about Ahsoka, so... Yeah. Did it go much into, like, her, like, thoughts and, like, yes. her inner life? Yeah, it's told from her perspective. Nice. Right, then the next big announcement is that a Claudia Gray book was announced. And this is going to be on Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan. And it's going to be set in the period prior to The Phantom Menace. Obviously. Um, <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> because, spoiler alert, Qui-Gon dies in The Phantom Menace. <laughs> <laughs> it could be a mid-call. <laughs> Her short story about them was set afterwards because he was a Force Ghost, so... <laughs> yeah, we could exactly. do an entire novel with Force Ghost Qui-Gon. <laughs> That'd be funny. <laughs> I like this because she said in the past like she wanted to write a book about them, so... Yeah. I reckon that Claudia Gray is one of those writers where she's kind of got, like, carte blanche, and basically, if she goes to them with an idea, they're going to be pretty much like, yep, go for it. I hope so. I mean, she's fantastic. She's obviously very respected at Lucasfilm. She's respected by fans. Um, and yeah, if people haven't read her short story about these two characters in from a certain point of view, I highly recommend it. That book is kind of a mixed bag for me. There are some stories that are fantastic and made me cry, including this one. And there are other ones, like especially... You know when you have that section that's like slogging through the cantina from all the different aliens' perspective? It's oh, like, yeah. Okay, I get the gist. Uh, that's actually where I stopped reading. <laughs> well, that's the thing. So just don't bother, don't worry about reading it in chronological order. Just go to yeah. what seems most interesting. Again, that's the problem with owning a book on Kindle. Because oh. when it's on Kindle, it's harder to dip in and out of things like that. Okay. You obviously can. But it just takes more effort. You can't just flick through pages. Right. So yeah, I wish I had that in physical copy. Did you read Master and Apprentice? I did, yes. Okay, cool. And did you like and it? And I did like it. Yeah. yeah. Like it didn't leave like a hugely strong impression on Oh, me. really? I loved yeah. it so much because I've always been 
pretty angry at Qui-Gon, to be honest, for like just expecting Obi-Wan to take up this mantle and agree to help with Anakin when he was barely trained himself. Yeah. But I liked that that was kind of revisited and Qui-Gon acknowledged that he had made mistakes and yeah, it kind of brought closure to that relationship. And like, I felt like that was really important for Obi-Wan as well because he was so yeah. young at the time. Oh yeah, no, definitely. And I absolutely appreciate that and I think it will be great. Um, I think it's just, if I'm being brutally honest with myself, I've never found Qui-Gon very interesting. Oh, okay. I know that might be like sacrilege, but he's just always been kind of like a boring character to me. Oh, okay, so. fine. I, I thought he was interesting because he was such a contrast to the stuffiness of the rest of the Jedi Order. Like, he to me seems like the ideal Jedi, you know? Like, yeah. he just has, he has his own innate sense of what is considered right. Um. Mm. I know what you mean. I think it's perhaps because in the movies that's played very, very subtly. So while it's there, like it's kind of not super apparent. Like, or at least it was never super apparent to me. Maybe I need to watch The Phantom Menace again. I, I think maybe because it's always leapt out to me. But I again, maybe I'm just making this up and people will correct me. But that's kind of always been my understanding of the character. That he the Jedi Council didn't actually... Not that they disliked him, but they found him quite baffling <laughs> mm. and um, we're just like can you please just follow orders <laughs> yeah does that stuff come through like a bit more strongly in the books and stuff do you think uh, I get that from the movie so okay. I maybe again maybe it's just me making it up but that's kind I, of I don't think you're making it up at all because I have seen other people like, make similar kinds of comments I think it's probably more that I'm just not like picking up on those things enough okay. I'm pro- when I think when I watch Phantom Menace I'm so busy just looking at Padme's dresses and not sure how much I take in the, the most obvious example of it is like that he insists that Anakin is the chosen one and should be trained and they don't want to train him right right yeah yeah he takes him to the council and is like look this boy is the chosen one I believe that and they're like no he's too old <laughs> yeah so yeah, no, it, like it is interesting, and I will read it because I've read all of the Claudia Gray books to have come out since Bloodline, and I've enjoyed all of them. They've been really good. Well, all two of them. <laughs> <laughs> Some massive achievements. Not. Wait, have you read Lost Stars? No. Oh, come on! It's my favorite. I know. I own it. I own it. I feel bad. We don't have a Lost Stars episode yet. I don't think you understand, Rachel, how much I love that book and how much I know that you would love it too. <laughs> I have started reading it and it was really good what I read. It's just, again, a situation where I was so busy or something came up. But I, I promise I'll try and get back to it. It's quite a dry spell, to be honest, because I really think that the next Star Wars book I'm going to read is going to be... Um, yeah, it's probably going to be the Qui-Gon Obi-Wan one, to be honest. And that's not out for months. So I mean, yeah, because yeah. what else do they have announced after, like, now Thrawn's coming out? Um... I think these will probably be the next releases, to be honest. I don't see anything else coming out between Thrawn and this. That's super significant. Kind of surprises me. It's a pretty big gap. Yeah. I guess they need to slow the pace. They try to keep most of the activity around when a film's coming out. All that corporate synergy. True. Yeah. Then with the publishing panel, there were a whole bunch of other projects announced. I won't read out like all of the like descriptions that we have. Um, but I was wondering, did anything else particularly jump out at you? Uh, well, I'm excited for Star Wars Women of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. 
we've talked about that before. It's by Amy Ratcliffe, and it features a lot of amazing female and non-binary artists. And we've mm-hmm. had a sneak peek of some of that art, and it does look absolutely gorgeous. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, that just looks like a beautiful kind of coffee table book. Yeah. And it also has a forward by Kathleen Kennedy. It does. I think they revealed that, didn't they? Yeah, that's awesome. I'm also really intrigued by this Tales from Vader's Castle series. Yes, because same. the description kind of makes it sound like we make, might get Han and Chewie on Mustafar. I know, right? Which is like uh, super exciting. <laughs> like, did you see the description from the author as well? Yeah. So the quote from the author is, and the author's Cavan Scott. You know how you get those spooky Halloween stories where a car breaks down and there's a creepy castle on a hill. Well, imagine a spaceship landing on a lava planet, and the only place is a castle on a hill. <laughs> That sounds so awesome. It really does. Like, I don't read the comics because you just have to draw the lines somewhere. But even I would certainly be interested in looking at these things. Oh, yeah, I'm going to read these. It just sounds like such a wild concept. The idea of Han Solo creeping around Vader's castle before he's met, like, Luke and Leia and has no idea. (laughs) Just, like, that sounds so amazing. Yeah. I'd kind of like it to be, like, in a Scooby-Doo episode or something. Yeah. you need to preserve that sense where Han doesn't see anything that's like overtly supernatural Mm -hmm. that might make him think oh yeah this force thing there's definitely something to that so it would almost be funny if like you have Chewie and he's like desperately like pointing in the background (laughs) to something like really weird and creepy that's happening and Han's like ah I'm not gonna look at that don't be stupid Chewie you're so superstitious Mm -hmm. and then when he finally turns around it's gone yeah that sounds amazing yeah, I hope that happens. That'd be good. And then there is the intriguing line that is a bunch of new Marvel comics. And they are Age of Republic, Age of Rebellion, and Age of Resistance. And the description of these is Journey through the entire Star Wars saga um, with Age of Republic, Age of Rebellion, and Age of Resistance. A 30 issue maxi series chronicling the most iconic heroes and villains from across the galaxy. This epic Marvel Comics event starts in December with Age of Republic, Qui-Gon 1, and Age of Republic, Darth Maul 1. So this concept seems quite interesting to me. I get the sense it's going to be like pairs of comics, and then you're going to get one comic for a hero and one comic for a villain for each era. Yeah, that's kind of the impression I got too. Um, And I just really like that they're having series like this now that are kind of tying the trilogy of trilogies together. Yes. And um, now that obviously we're closer to episode nine, it's kind of wrapping things up, or at least where, where they stand currently. So you have yeah. this cohesive theme of like the Age of Republic, Rebellion, and Resistance. Um, yeah. That seems really intriguing to me. Yeah, no, same. And I'm very curious to see which um, sequel trilogy villain and hero they'll pick to explore. I just kind of assumed it would be Rey and Kylo. But I guess they're, l- they're going to do quite a few, right? Because if they, they've got 30 issues... Would they do, like, Qui-Gon and Maul first and then pick someone else after that? Yeah, that's a good point, actually, if there are so many issues. So they'll maybe they'll have, like, Anakin and then Dooku, or... Maybe, yeah. Oh, it's so hard to tell, isn't it? Otherwise, it might be, like, a multi-pot series on, Ob- on Qui-Gon, for example. Hmm. And then a corresponding multi-pot series on Darth Maul. I guess we need more information. Yeah. It's not totally clear the way it's written, but that's just kind of my reading of it, that they would want to go through like the various heroes and villains of each trilogy. But Yeah, because with Kylo, I'd be very curious if they did that, because 
they've been almost more hush-hush on him than any other character. True, but if Resistance is starting in October, and this is coming out after that in December, then by the time they get round to the Age of Resistance stuff, they might have even like shown Kylo in the, res- in the Resistance show or something like that. Yeah, that's true. Or at least like given you information as to what he's doing at that point, so it wouldn't be a massive spoiler if they were going to cover that period. Yeah. Because it's kind of like he's referenced in the Phasma novel, for example, but he's not actually in it. But it means that his time in that time frame isn't then accounted for, so it's safe to cover now, if you see what I mean. Yeah, that is true. And I guess they have to become a little bit less squeamish about touching upon those characters. They can't like keep them sheltered and cut off forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think pre-TFA stuff is kind of fair game at this point for that yeah. anyway. Exactly. How secret can they keep it? <laughs> Um, right, is that what we want to say about the publishing news? I think so. I mean, it's still like we're speculating on what things might be and we're just saying we're excited for them. Um, but watch this space because we will be reading it and then analysing it. So, Exactly. We'll have so much more to say when we actually have the content to discuss. When you just have it in the hypothetical with like a title and a description, it's much harder. Yeah, right now it's just a lot of looking forward to things. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, right, then we're just going to have a brief listener questions session. So the first question is from Josh Small via Twitter. And he said, I know this might be controversial, but I'm always so interested in hearing people rank the Star Wars films from their favourite to least favourite. I'm guessing that you two would even have some disagreements there. <laughs> I'd listen to that show in a heartbeat. Well, Josh, I'm not sure we can do like a full list ranked of every Star Wars film, but I did discuss this with Kirsty before, and we thought we probably can do most favourite and least favourite, like for both of us. So, who wants to go first? <laughs> uh, Should I go? I actually, yeah, I'm going to have a hard time with this, to be honest, because it really depends on my mood at the time. I'm fickle. Okay, well, I'll go with my favourite and least favourite. Again, mine can change. But right at this moment, my least favourite is Attack of the Clones. I feel like that's not controversial at all. <laughs> Although I know some people really love that movie, so awesome. And again, I enjoy parts of Attack of the Clones. And it's not saying it's the worst Star Wars movie like, ever and I can never watch it. It's just the one I enjoy the least. So mm. that's my view on that one. And then my most favourite this is hard and this is definitely going to be way more controversial I think my most favourite is probably The Force Awakens I still don't know how to answer I'm sorry I know this is really boring <laughs> but uh, you love them all equally no I don't love them all equally <laughs> <laughs> but I don't really have like a least favourite Star Wars film because mm. there, are, like you said there are aspects to all of them that I enjoy yeah, um, I guess maybe is there one where the issues with them particularly stand out? Um, I'm going to be honest. I think I prefer The Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones to Rogue One. Wow. So maybe Rogue One is your least favourite? It might be. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a good movie. So I'm not like trashing it. It's just the one I'm, I've been least inclined to revisit. I think yeah. I've watched it once since it left the theatre. Yeah. Um, and this is about enjoyment. It's not even necessarily about which one you think is the best or the least good or whatever. Yeah. So it, that's it, perfectly reasonable. It's hard for me to even vocalise why. Like, I'm just... 
I don't know it's just it's not really stuck in my mind as one that I want to keep revisiting and and there are still like there are characters in that movie that I really love like I really love Chirin Bays yes um, and I was glad to read more about them when we got um the book about them but I don't know it's just it might be my least favorite Star Wars film yeah and that's perfectly fine because this is a safe space <laughs> most favorite um mm-hmm. it's hard isn't it yeah <laughs> right now i might still be on the last jedi mm. but it's hard because i know a lot of people um ha- really have this strong opinion and belief that ryan truly diverged from what jj set up in the force awakens so they like see them as very separate things almost like two stories that don't join up but i yeah. consider them almost the same story like yeah. to me it's like this seamless continuation so i actually have a hard time choosing between them because the i think by the time we get episode nine as well i think it's just going to seem like one big movie to me yeah no that's kind of my dilemma as well because i think for me it was between the force awakens and the last jedi they're so closely connected that it's hard to separate them off sometimes in my mind mm. i think especially because they happen so close to each other in the timeline that makes it harder to distinguish in a very practical way. Yeah. Because, yeah, like, I think they're kind of two halves of a whole, you could say. <laughs> it's so hard, though, because then I think about the original trilogy, and I love all of those movies, too. Yeah. If I'm going by, like, oh, well, who are my favourite characters? Who resonates with me most? It's Rey and Kylo, obviously, so I'm going to go with the sequel trilogy. But I also really love Episode Four. I love Empire. I love Jedi. So... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it is so hard. Yeah, I and I think for me, I had to end up choosing like one of the sequel trilogy films because those films have just had this like huge pull for me, and they've meant so much to me, and they've kind of transformed my life even to an extent, you know. Oh yeah, I think it's clear for both of us that the sequel trilogy like resonates on this other level because that's like why we started the podcast. Um, yeah, we're really invested in those characters and their arcs. Yeah. And I think that's what it's all about. For me, the reason I enjoy the sequel trilogy movies so much is because of that intensity of investment. Mm. Because I've always loved Star Wars ever since I was a little girl. But I wasn't invested in Luke Skywalker or Leia or Han to the extent that I'm invested in Rey and Kylo and Finn and Poe and Rose and all these other characters. And, and I think there's actually a simple reason for why that is. And it's because... When we were watching the original Star Wars as a kid, the outcome of those films was always predetermined. We always knew that like Luke and Leia and Han were going to win the day, that the Rebellion would defeat the Empire, and that Luke would succeed in bringing his father back from the dark side and killing the Emperor. Mm. You know, I think you kind of know that through osmosis, like even before you really have solid memories of the movies, or at least I did. Um, and yeah, like it means that you can enjoy them, but there's none of that like suspense that I feel watching the sequel trilogy and none of that excitement and seeing this story unfold in before your eyes. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Cause I have spoken to people who watch the original trilogy and the prequels and don't know the story. So they are like really invested in seeing what happens. But as soon as you finish one film, you can just put the next one on. Whereas we're in the process of waiting two years <laughs> and it's driving us all crazy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it just feels a bit more real. And I remember waiting for the prequels movies, but again, it was like, okay, I have to wanna wait three years, but I also know that Anakin turns into Vader, so. Yeah, 
exactly. So there's not quite the same suspense. And I think that with um, the reason I chose Force Awakens over The Last Jedi, I think it's perhaps because while I, I really love both films, I think I maybe did feel that like intensity of investment like just a tad more after The Force Awakens. Obviously, I'm super invested. If I weren't super invested, I wouldn't be doing this podcast week in, week out on Star Wars. <laughs> but I think there's something so enticing about The Force Awakens. And that's partially due to the power of JJ in the mystery box, you know? Mm. Like, the way he sets up all these, like, dangling threads. Although, I think for us, it was even more effective, Kirsty, because the dangling threads were, for us, resolved in a very satisfying way. Because... The dangling threads that we saw in The Force Awakens are very much connected to the relationships between the characters Mm -hmm. and not necessarily familial relationships. So we got that kind of payoff because we saw those relationships develop and go in new directions. And that was very exciting and thrilling for us. Yeah. I do wonder if part of the reason why people might choose The Force Awakens over The Last Jedi as well is that it's the darker middle chapter aspect, right? And it's Mm. so hard to watch that last act because everything's going wrong again because everything has to get to this really desperate place whereas in the force awakens it feels neater because everything kind of wraps up it just feels like its own story in a way yeah that's very true I i definitely think that the force awakens is the more accessible film and i think it's more immediately enjoyable because like don't be wrong i love both films but Like, The Last Jedi, it explicitly sets out to challenge you. Yeah. And to, like, ask you questions and in some ways try and, like, make you think what even is Star Wars. Yeah. And what's at the root of these characters. There's, like, this feeling of wrongness by the end because your heart's broken, the characters' hearts are all broken. It's like, how is this going to be fixed? Yeah. I think that's kind of what's, like, this this discourse going on about like JJ coming in to to fix everything it's because Mm -hmm. people think that Ryan ruined things almost like he he ruined it but he almost had to because that's what you do with the second act of a story yeah exactly and he was very aware of what he was doing like that's the whole reason you have the broken lightsaber because then in episode 9 that's going to have to be put back together and that's not just a lightsaber that's actually broken it's a metaphor for where everything in the movie stands yeah i just think that contributes to this feeling of like anxiety and dissatisfaction that some people have yes because it just seems so hopeless but yeah. but that's okay it's by design guys anyway exactly. I, I really love that movie and i could talk about it forever same <laughs> so it's going to be so interesting to see whether the dialogue around the last jedi changes after we get episode nine and people will oh, absolutely see what the payoff for all that stress and all that anxiety is it absolutely will change and we saw the dialogue change around the force awakens as well once the next movie came out so that's what i love about it like it all seems so alive and people's perceptions of these as films in their own right are, are always going to change yeah, and I, I, we see that now with the prequels. I think like, there's a prequels revival going on. People are revisiting those films and maybe felt like they hated them. Like there has been this really intense negative response to the prequels in the past. But I feel like not everyone, but some people are starting to soften their opinion of them. And things yeah. like the Clone Wars and the extra material, like the books coming out, I think that might challenge people's perceptions a little bit. Yeah. Exactly. And I think it's also down to something we've said before, which is about um, 
the people who were children when the prequels were coming out, they're now adults and they can now have their say and they have a voice. And because they're in that position, their voices are actually being heard now for the first time in a significant way and that passion and that love for the material is actually getting through. Yeah, I think that's why we, we, we get things like this Padme book announced because they know that there's going to be this audience who are already invested in that character, but I don't think we'd have got it just a few years ago. No. Uh, and it's really nice because I don't think you can say there's a single like corner of Star Wars that doesn't have someone in its corner now. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's no such thing as an aspect of Star Wars that's universally hated. At one point, people would have said that about the prequel trilogy, and that's definitely not true anymore. Yeah, some people still say it, but they're wrong. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're wrong. Okay, and then we'll just have a few silly quick questions from Tumblr. So, the first. Do you think JJ will be keeping the porks in episode 9, Kirsty? Mm, I'm going to guess no. Hmm. I think maybe in some very, very minimal way. Like, if there's kind of like a forest setting... Or somewhere where it might be natural for like bird creatures to appear. You might get like a shot of a pork or you might get porks in the background or something. But I don't think they'll feature in the way they did in The Last Jedi. Not that they were even super prominent in The Last Jedi. But yeah, I don't see them having a presence. Yeah, I would just be surprised if they were because there's going to be a time jump. But I suppose if the Resistance pretty quickly found a place to start a base and just established you know, a home there, then the paws could take up residence and flourish. Mm. Who, kn- who knows? Maybe we'll get a pork tie novel that elaborates on that <laughs> in great detail. A nature book. <laughs> yes. No, in Star Wars, that would actually be produced. So never say never. Right. Okay. For the last question, just for today, this one is, do you think marketing will be less secretive for episode nine, perhaps showing Ray and Ben together? That's so hard. So I do feel like if you're showing them in any scenario together physically, then that's kind of a spoiler. Oh, really? Just by default. Mm, kind of. because Just because of the note that The Last Jedi ended on. Because The Last Jedi ended on them being so separate. That I think whatever brings them back together in episode 9, and I absolutely think that will happen, I, I think that's going to be a big deal. You well, know? sure, but I guess it would depend what external clues there were in that image like in terms of like we we know they're going to be together we know they're going to share screen time so i don't think that in and of itself is a spoiler but it's like are they dueling are they just looking at each other what kind of planet are they on what kind of clothing are they wearing yeah but i do expect it to be just as secretive because jj is secretive yeah i think they'll absolutely tease it because they know that that is one of the main selling points of the sequel trilogy. People want to see those characters interact, like in whichever way the people might be interested in, whether antagonistic or otherwise. Um, but yeah, I think it might be a bit like what they did with that amazing first real trailer for The Last Jedi. Right. Where you have that wonderful shot of Rey looking up, like seeking help from someone, and then you see Kylo Ren reaching out his hand. And, of course, as we all know, those moments, they're not actually together in the film. But they were still selling a truthful message in terms of these characters are coming together. And that is going to be a key dynamic. I think you'll see something a bit like that. Yeah, it told you kind of the direction of the story, right? Yeah. Like, they were pretty actually on the nose of it with things like, this isn't going to go the way you think. And 
I need to, someone to show my place and all this. It's like, that is the, the essence of Ray's arc in the movie. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think they're going to be purposely misleading, but mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to give the whole game away. Same. So, yeah. Well, I'm very excited when we do get that first marketing, though. It's going to be very exciting. Me too. Okay. Right. I think we can probably leave it there for today. So, yep. Uh, thank you very much for listening. I'm Rachel. You can find me at Journal of the Star Wars on WordPress and at Star Wars Nonsense on Tumblr. Where can people find you, Kirsty? I'm Bastila Bay on Tumblr and Scavengers Horde on Twitter. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, bye. Bye.